0: Well, I'm glad we got together this morning. I'm glad you were here last night. For those of you that were able to make it, we had a neat night of just reflecting on the Lord and just seeing what um, He has done in our lives. And, and I want us to do that again this morning as we, as we think about the Lord Jesus and what He has done and, and who He is. Uh, my prayer is that we'll just be pointed to Him and we'll be able to knowingly worship Him again this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord, we do adore you. We want to worship you today. God, the world around us, they're enamored with many other things, but we as your people, as your children, Lord, you as our Father, you've made us yours. And so, God, we want to stop today in the hustle and bustle of everything and look to you so god would you now speak to us through your word as we open it up and see what you communicated to us lord challenge us today with the reality of your person of your humanity of your deity of the lord jesus christ amen open up your bible with me to matthew chapter one matthew chapter one last night we spent some time in luke one if you were with us and we looked at what the angel had to say to Mary this morning. We'll take a few minutes and see what was said to Joseph. Because in both of these passages, um, more important than Mary, more important than Joseph, is what did the angel communicate about the Lord Jesus? So that's our focus today, um, as it is every day, and meant to be every day of our lives, to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the author, the Perfector of our faith. So in Matthew chapter 1, I want to take a minute, we've had a lot of God's word read to us today, but but I want to just take a moment and read verses 18 through 25. And again, much of this will be review of the last few weeks, but um, it'll be a good challenge for us to, to reflect upon God's Word again. Chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to, G- to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. In quotation here from Isaiah, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. If you were with us last night, uh, the challenge last night was to to understand as we consider the, the Christmas narrative, the account of Jesus taking on flesh coming to earth, the challenge last night was not to miss the miracle that God intervened. That God intervened and, and brought salvation to available to all mankind. And so we now have the opportunity to come to the Lord through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. Well, the challenge today, as I, as I thought about and prayed about what we would talk about, it's a little different spin on some of the same truths. What I want to challenge you with today is to understand this fact of the Incarnation. Understanding what I mean by the Incarnation. This is the fact that God took on flesh and became a man, the Incarnation. And as we consider that act, that loving act of God, I want to challenge you with this idea that though this event is historical, this truly happened. It is an historical event that Jesus was born of a virgin there in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Though it was historical, I want to remind you this morning that it's not simply a past event. It's historical, but it's not simply past. It is meant to have effect, an effect on your life each and every day. We are meant to live with the reality that Jesus became a man and came to earth fully God, fully man, and understand that that affects our life every single day. It's not just an historical fact like you know, some event from the Revolutionary War or the Civil War or something uh, that we have the, of a historical event that happened long ago. Now it's true that it's history but it's not something that's just shelved in the past. It's meant to impact our lives each and every day. I also want to challenge you with this idea that this is not, an, this is not about you. It's not anthrocentric, it's not about man. It is theocentric, it is about God. The the Christmas narrative is not simply about you and I having the opportunity to avoid hell. God didn't fashion this huge event, the event of all of history, just for you and me. That's not the way that God works. God is much more God-centered than that. He had something much larger than just you and me in mind. Now, granted, I understand he loves men and loves women. He loves humankind. I get that. But especially during this season, especially when we are just enamored with buying gifts and giving gifts and getting gifts, and that's all well and fine, but you can see how that just sort of starts us into the trend of thinking, well, this is all about me. This is all about me. This is all about me. And pretty soon it makes perfect sense to you that everything is all about you. And we can do this. I know well because I can do it myself. I do it all the time. I can quickly start thinking that the whole earth is centering around me. And it's not. It's not. I mean, we know this. It's it's almost like intuitively, implicitly, we know this to be true. No one really has to tell us that it's not all about us. Our parents did a good job of telling us that, right? It's It's not all about you. But how funny it is that we take everything about Jesus and we boil it down and we make it exclusively about us. But God had a bigger picture in mind. And I want us to look at what the angel had to say to Joseph understand that, okay? So we're going to be kind of focusing in more more, more succinctly on verses 21 to 23. So let's see what it says there in verse 21. I think I got this for the screen um, in case you didn't bring your Bible. Um, So here's what it says. In verse number 21, the angel now says to Joseph that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, the angel told Joseph not to fear. It is interesting to me that Every time an angel appears to a human, that's something that they always say, okay? Fear not. There's no reason to fear. Behold, look, but don't be in fear. And so the angel comes and says, don't be afraid. The, the woman that you're, you're pledged to be married to is going to be with child, but it's from the Holy Spirit. Now, you can understand how Joseph would have dealt with fear, okay? I mean, number one, there's an angel appearing to him, okay? Secondly, the angel is telling him something that he doesn't want to hear, he doesn't want to hear that his wife-to-be is expecting a child. No man wants to hear that. Of course not, okay? And then thirdly, he's also being told that this child has been placed there by the Holy Spirit. Man, that's like triple whammy, you know? I mean, he's just he's taken back by this. And God, and, the, and, and God says, through this angel now, don't fear. Don't fear. You see, what we have here is a miraculous conception. A, the virgin birth. More, more correctly, be the Virgin Conception, that that Mary, that God's Spirit placed this child into the womb of Mary, and it was the Lord Jesus was conceived there through this miraculous event. You have to understand that this comes under attack all the time, but it's essential. It's essential to our Christianity. Okay, let me just read something to you here. Um, This recently, just this week. There was a a major Christian leader in in America who was quoted as saying that if Jesus predicted his death and then was raised from the dead, it doesn't matter to him how he came into the world. Whether he was virgin conceived or not really doesn't make a difference. Now that's a major Christian leader in the United States of America today who pastors a church of of tens of thousands of people. And he says that the the, the the virgin birth or the virgin conception of Jesus doesn't really matter. Now, i got a real problem with that. At its basic level, I've got a problem with it because both Matthew and Luke record that Mary was a virgin when she conceived. So if we strip that away, if we strip that away, we've got a problem already with God's Word. And that's not the only place where this truth is, is presented that's the place where it's most directly stated but it is throughout scripture Galatians chapter 4 pastor bill read that to us last night born of a woman paul says in the fullness of time the lord jesus came to a born of a woman doesn't mention doesn't mention joseph in isaiah 7 through 9 which is where that quotation comes from that's here in matthew God is telling his people, I'm going to do something miraculous. I'm going to do something that would just knock your socks off. And when, I come, when this thing happens, the virgin will have a child. So we need to recognize that, that attacking the virgin birth of Christ is the first step down a road that we don't want to go. It's not a new step. It's not a new direction. Let me let me uh, some of you aren't gonna like this. The history teachers aren't gonna like this. I gotta, you're gonna like part of this. You're gonna like 50% of this, but not the second half, okay? So I got a quote from Thomas Jefferson. You like that part, right? Quote from Thomas Jefferson. Here's what he said. The day will come when the mystical generation of Jesus by some supreme being as his father in the womb of a virgin. Will finally be classed with the fable of the generation of the goddess of Minerva from the brain of Jupiter. Did you catch that? Thomas Jefferson? What, second president of the United States? Thank you. Checking to see if you were awake. That was a, that was a test. And you guys passed what well, you did, but all of you didn't, okay? Jefferson goes on. It refers to the biblical teaching concerning the virgin birth of Christ as artificial scaffolding. An argument that has to be picked up and put away over and over again. This isn't new. It isn't new. You go back, go back to the very first century of the church and there are attacks on the very birth of Jesus. Because if the humanity and the deity of Christ can be stripped away, we have no gospel. We have no God-man. We have no Christ. We have no Son of God. We have no God with us. We have no resurrection. And we are to be pitied more than any other men. We have no Bible. We have no truth. We cannot trust what we have here. It's a miracle, I know. It defies scientific logic. I understand that. But why is it that we as Christians sometimes struggle to accept something that defies scientific logic, but yet we'll believe, we say, we'll believe in an eternal heaven, in eternal hell, We'll believe that God came as a man and died for us and somehow then imputed that righteousness to us, but yet we scratch our heads and say, but a virgin birth? That's impossible. Listen, it's necessary. It's necessary. Joseph understood that. He understood that. And the angel was clear and said, Do not fear gonna just make a couple statements here about the about the virgin birth why it's so important okay just a few things here to think about all right first of all it starts us down a very important road of understanding that salvation is fully dependent upon god there there is no combination of man and god to save us it doesn't take god and a little bit of you and the two of us work together and then we're a good person and god accepts us and the incarnation, the virgin birth of Christ, or the virgin conception of, of the Christ, of Jesus, it, it, it quickly demonstrates to us that truth, that this is going to require God doing a miracle in our life. You see, if we take that away and make Jesus a natural-born person, a human, what, what, what becomes true of him He's he's a good guy, I guess. And then when he dies, he dies for himself, I guess. And then what? He's allowed to go to heaven for himself? You see, we take away the virgin birth, the virgin conception of Christ, and everything quickly falls apart. It quickly falls apart. We strip that away, and Genesis 3.15 loses its meaning. Do you remember Genesis 3.15? Let me remind you. It's in the garden, okay? Adam and Eve have sinned and God comes and and announces the consequences of this sin upon the man and the woman. It's interesting that the, the consequences that come into the man's life deal all with his work, with his work environment. By the sweat of your brow, you will work. Remember all that? Okay? But for the woman, the consequences that come in her life, they deal more with her family. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 is where I'm headed. Why don't you turn there and see this? But it is important for us to understand this truth. Genesis 3.15. God here says, I will put enmity, that is, uh, a broken relationship, a a challenge between you and the woman. Speaking to the serpent. Satan had had commended this serpent and empowered the serpent and, and tempted and deceived Eve. Between you and the woman, it says. And between your offspring and her offspring... He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I want you to notice here that the consequence is directed towards her offspring. Even here we have alluded to that this one will come. He, You will bruise his heel, but you will bruise his head, that is, but he will crush you. So we need to understand here that, that it's important, it's essential for us to understand that God was going to come through this woman, through a woman who had been deceived by the enemy of God. And lastly, I'll just say that with, without the, the virgin conception, then Jesus is no longer fully God and fully man. It's something we must remember from the last month of our time together, Okay? Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Combined together into one person. One person. Fully God, fully man. Impossible without this miracle. We have a miracle here. A miracle conception. And it's, it's amazing what, what God has done. And we must not attack it. Go back to uh, Matthew though, with me. Would you turn back there? Matthew chapter 1 is where I'm at. Do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. We also have a miraculous provision. Last night, we talked about what the name Jesus means. Do you know? Think about it in your mind. Do you know? you have an answer? Ah, Okay, alright, alright, alright. It is the name of God. And rescue or saves, and what do we do with them? Cram them together, okay? And you got Jesus. His very name means Yahweh saves. The Lord rescues. And last night we focused upon the fact that He rescues us from our sin. And here's where that comes from. His name shall be Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Now what I want to express to you today, what I I want God to impress upon our heart is this is not just simply an historical event that lives in the past, but it very much affects our present everyday life. And here's how. Here's how. We need to understand that God is still, now hear this, God is still to this day and into the future now saving you from your sins. Now let this seep into your heart and understand a difficult theological truth. Your salvation is not finished yet. It is not finished yet. You say, well, now wait a minute, Pastor Lowell. When I was 15 years old, I went forward on a Sunday morning and I knelt down there, there at the, the, whatever this thing is called, and, and prayed to receive Jesus altar that's it i was there at the altar and received jesus and i was saved true but you need to also realize this truth that god is continuing to save you and if not for the incarnation if not for the very present day ministry of the god man jesus you and i would be ushered into hell. We need Jesus to keep saving us. That's quite a statement. I need to show you that in the Bible, right? Okay, go in Hebrews. Go to chapter 7 with me. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I want you to see that this is an important truth for us to understand. You see, your salvation was not one and done. You did not one day get saved, and now that's it. I'm going to heaven, and everything's great for me. We have so attacked the message of Jesus and the reality of our relationship with him. And I'm telling you, we've got to understand, it is deceiving people into hell. It is deceiving people into hell. To think that one day I made some decision because I wanted my parents to be happy or because I didn't want to go to hell or because it it just was the thing to do that day at youth group so I made this decision and now I'm all well and fine. It's a wrong way of thinking what Jesus' death and resurrection means. It is man-centered to think that. We need to be God-centered. Hebrews chapter 7. Did you find it yet? You're ahead of me. There we go. Good. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's jump into verse number 23. Okay? Verse number 23. Let's get 22, too. Okay? It says that Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. Wow. That's better than Walmart's guarantee. Okay? He guarantees. Now, how does that happen? How is how is your new covenant relationship with God guaranteed because of Jesus? That's, that's a pretty important question for us to ask. Is it simply because I got a receipt? <laughs> okay, from 1985? Here it is. I went forward. Here it is. I prayed a youth group. Here it is. I got saved when somebody shared a trap. Here it is. Mm. That's not it. If you're dependent upon that receipt... You need to wrestle with what's coming here. And allow God to help you understand your salvation and the incarnation and the the manness and godness of Jesus. Look what it says. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Priests would come and they would live for 70 years and they would die. And so there'd be a new priest and he would die. A new priest and he would die. But he, being Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently. Because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see what this is telling us? Jesus is still saving you. If you have put your trust in Christ and the Spirit of God has come and lived in you, Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for you. No, I don't know how that works. I kind of make it up in my mind what that might look like. I, look, I, I picture Lowell, you know, he's living his life, you know, going just regular doing the things he does every single day, and one day he sins. Okay, one minute, almost. All right, speeds, I don't know, whatever you want to come up with. Okay, it doesn't matter. Fill in the blank. But be kind to me, okay? But fill in the blank, all right? He sins. Now listen. If the incarnation, if the saving work of Jesus was one and done on that day in Bethlehem. One and done, that's it. Saved. Well, folks, I just, I just sinned. I just sinned. What about that sin? What about it? It needs to be dealt with. And what this passage is telling us in Hebrews 10.10 10 as well, you can turn over and look at it, is that Jesus is continuing to save you. You need Jesus The man Jesus, the God-man Jesus, continuing to save you today. Continuing to save you today. The incarnation, Jesus coming to earth and taking on flesh for us. This was not some just historical event. It's not just something from the past that we stand around an activity set and look, oh, there's baby Jesus. Yeah, hoorah. Uh Uh-uh. No, if you're stuck there, oh, oh, I invite you to understand what you have in Christ. You have the God-man. You have the God-man who's there as an arbitrator for you. Job 9. You can turn there towards the end, verse 25. Job says this. Remember Job? Job is in a battle. He doesn't even know it. And he comes to under all this, this struggle and this suffering in his life. And he cries out to God. This is, this, is like, this is like 2,000 years before Jesus even came to earth, okay? In and, and Job 9, he says this. Oh, that you, speaking to God, oh, that I could come to you through an arbitrator. Oh, that I would have one to come between us. That I could bring, That I could bring myself to you. Oh, that there would be an arbitrator between us. That's who Jesus is today. He's not just some baby in a feeding trough. He's not some image on a stained glass window. He's not something that you got excited about in your teen years. He is the God of the universe who lives to intercede for us today. Christmas continues, folks. It continues. It's not just a past event that doesn't mean anything. It's meant to be today who you're dependent upon. Tomorrow, who you will depend upon. The next day, who will continue to save you. To the uttermost, he lives on. Now you and I would have life. Go back to Matthew and will wrap up with one more point this morning on this Christmas morning. It's good for us to come together and Look at Jesus. Look at who Jesus is and what He offers. Lastly here in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call His name Emmanuel. Now we have talked about Emmanuel for a month and what it means. And again, it's another compound word. It simply means God with us. But I want to challenge you with this idea of what that means what that really means it's it's a miraculous connection that we can have with God do you know God in that way today are you living in the overflow of Emmanuel are you living out connected with him God went to great lengths to give us this opportunity literally since eternity That God had planned out Emmanuel. Ephesians says that before the foundations of the world, he chose you, predestined you, to have this relationship with him, that God would be with you. It's very significant to me, in verse 23, what it does not say, But it does not say, it does not say, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God was with us. It does not say God was with us. This is not a past event. It's a present reality for those who are in Christ. that God is with you if you know Him. For those who are in Jesus, as we celebrate this Christmas season and as we we look to the Lord Jesus and remember who He is and what He has done, we need to remember that He is with us. That He will never leave us. That He will never forsake us. That Paul said he came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, I'm the chief among sinners. I'm the worst of worse." But he came and saved us. And is continuing to the uttermost to save you. We can give up on one another. We can let each other down. We can fail one another. We can turn from one another. For some, Christmas, honestly, is a reminder of those events. For some, it's a reminder of times where there's been failure in the past and where there's been heartache in the past and there's been, there's been rejection in the past. Listen. God really meant it when He said that you are a new creature. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. The old, gone. Everything, brand new. And that is all about that God is with us. Emmanuel. As you worship him today, as we sing another song today of praise to him, just remember the the miraculous way that God came into earth. Remember the miraculous provision. That God is continually, to the uttermost now, continuing to give to his children, continuing to save, continuing to save. And the miraculous connection that you and I can enjoy with Christ. One more thought. The night, well, shortly before Jesus died and went to be with the Lord, he was with his disciples. He's telling them he's going to leave and it breaks their heart. And he says in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus now, speaking to his disciples, says, you're better off if I go away. This shocked them. What? What do you mean? Three verses later he says, because I will sinned Counselor, the Holy Spirit, and He will be with you. God with us. Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. You are with us still, you are saving us still. You are still working, Lord. Father, I pray that maybe this Christmas is an opportunity for for some to come back to You. Lord, there's nothing wrong with on a Christmas morning coming to You in a real, personal, intimate way. Lord, we can fail. We can depart. We can leave. But You never do. Your Spirit comes. Lord, and you indwell your children never to leave. Always God with us. Hear our hearts now, Lord. Hear our hearts as we think about the future, the next year. Lord, may we live this year. May we live this week. May we live this day connected with you in a brand new way because God is is with us. In Jesus' name, amen.